My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC 290 fight card, giving you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. But before I do, I want to give you 50 bucks. I need $50 after that bloodbath, but I will give you 50 bucks. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and I will send you 50 bucks. It's affiliate marketing. So they're going to pay me a commission for sending you over to them. I'm going to take off a piece of that commission. I'm going to give it right back to you because when I say this, it is with 100% sincerity. Nobody cares about their community more than us. I am literally sharing our affiliate money with you. We slash bets. Use the link, sign up, make a deposit. I will send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. Last week, we unveiled the pick doctor. If you're new here and you don't know what that is, the pick doctor is a human being. He's a literal nuclear physicist that has developed an AI that picks fights. We had been tracking it privately for a couple of events and it had been doing really well, picking 70, 80%, whatever it is. So last week after it went 11 and one, we said, you know what? Let's release it. We'll make sure that everybody knows this is beta and it's still in development. So while last week it went 11 and one and absolutely crushed everything you could ever imagine, this week it wasn't as successful, but we're keeping an eye on it and we're trying to spot trends. And one of the trends that we've identified is this thing picks underdogs in a clip. It has picked two massive underdogs over the last two events and both of them hit. So it is batting a thousand with massive underdogs. If you spent two units, you made six and that is a 307% ROI. And slight underdogs, it's doing really well as well. It had four correct underdog picks. If you bet eight units, you profited 2.68 for 33% net profit. So somehow it's doing really well with underdogs, but this is a beta product. So as we've been saying, follow the journey. The pick doctor, the nuclear physicist, is developing this whole thing. He's writing very detailed articles every single week. This is what we learned. This is what I'm adding. This is how it's going, et cetera, et cetera. So check out those articles. It has its own analyst page on premium and follow the journey because this is the future. This is really interesting. And I am positive that this is gonna be outpicking every single one of us in no time. Right now, the big caveat, it doesn't have grappling statistics. It doesn't even know that grappling exists. It's making its pick off of biometrics and striking data. Obviously, you get a UFC debut, you don't really have any data. You have a guy like Abus, who's an absolute pussy. You get a guy like Abus, who had one single fight in the UFC, his striking data was through the roof from that one fight. So obviously, that's all the AI has to go off of, and that's how it does its analytics. So follow the journey, take a look at the picks, and if they support your thoughts, then great. Maybe that makes some sense. But if it's completely like, this doesn't make any sense, I don't get it. And you know, it only has a small data set, then let's keep an eye on it and see where it goes. Either way, I'm very excited for this. You should be too. Follow the journey. This is available to premium members and so is everything else. Like the tools, we have the line movement tracker. This week for UFC 290, very little movement. We have had zero fighters on this card start as an underdog and then have flipped to a favorite, zero. I don't even know who will. Nobody's line is really trending that direction. We have had four fighters with more than 20% movement on their line, but the line movement tracker is very helpful to identify trends. We'll see if Jack Della Maddalena ends up with a new opponent. I don't think so, but maybe he does, and this will be very helpful to see where that opens, where that closes, and what's happening there. You're also gonna get detailed data, metrics, and analytics. This is available right now, this minute. 
for UFC 290, you have 38 columns of fighter data, biometric data, fight history, how many strikes they're landing, how many take, all of that data is available to you. So you can go in here, do your own research, find your own spots, or at least, hey, here's my gut. What is the data saying? And then go from there. It's all available to premium members, only $10 a month. Month is a key word here. It's not $10 a week, $10 a month. And month is the key word there. It's not $10 a week, $10 an event. It is $10 for an entire month and all of the events inside of that month. It is the greatest value in this sport. We're not gonna crush every single week, but I guarantee the tools, the data, the information, the optimizer, all of that is gonna give you more than that value week in and week out. We also have lessons. We've added courses. This is a, the first course is a beginner's guide to DraftKings. One of the most common questions we get are what are those DraftKings numbers on the screen? And that's for DraftKings Fantasy, and some of you know, some of you don't. A lot of people, these are just becoming legalized in their state, and they're just trying to understand what's going on, how this all works. They know they love MMA, and what can they do to make MMA even more fun to watch? Well, we've added beginner's courses for DraftKings, so you can get in there, understand the terminology, find your contest, learn how to build an entry, and do all of that stuff. And we're gonna continue to add courses, information, training, just an entire suite of tools and information and everything you have ever needed to do more with the sport that we all love so much. Premium is only $10 a month. We want picks.com. Just click become a member. Finally, let's dig into this card. This bout order is going to change, but this is how it's set right now. So it is what it is. And opening up UFC 290, we have Tatsuro Tyra taking on Edgar Chérez. How about that, huh? Rolling those R's, baby. Tatsuro Tyra was supposed to fight a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it is. He has been shuffled around a couple of cards and finally seems to have landed somewhere. Sort of an upgrade, right? He's at uh, UFC 290, a pay-per-view event, instead of a random fight night or hanging out in Jacksonville, Florida. He's taking on Edgar Chavez. Edgar Chavez is the one stepping up on very short notice. He's making his UFC debut, but he is a baffling plus 600 underdog. And I'm saying baffling because this dude is solid. His striking offense is fast. It's in your face. His takedowns are decent. His BJJ is very good. The only real issue for him is that he is hittable, but he's got a good enough chin that it doesn't really matter. He's going to come forward, throw long kicks, box you up. Then he's going to snatch up a single, like a takedown leg, snatch up a single, and then look to get it to the ground. Tatsuro Taira is very good, right? He's undefeated. He's continuing to be or remains the number one ranked flyweight in Japan. He's super young at only 23 years old. He has 13 fights, 11 finishes. So, you know, he's on paper, he's all the things. Style-wise, he is a pretty patient striker. People could say he got some decent power in his hands, pretty strong grappling. He doesn't have the best takedowns, but he's going to stick with them. He's going to drag you to the ground. And then once he gets there, that's really where he's going to shine. And he's coming off that submission win over Jesus Aguilar, who's also on this card. I did the tape study for this fight in our Discord. Our Discord is 100% free to join. Premium members, you get alerts and other features, including the tape study channel, right? So I did my tape study on Edgar Chavez. No idea who this guy was. Needed to watch the tape, do all the things. I did that in the Discord. And there was a handful of people doing it with me. And we were all on the same page. We were like, Edgar Chavez could absolutely smoke Tatsuro Taira. He's got wrestling. He's got BJJ. He's a solid fighter. And for Tyra to win this, he needs to get it to the ground and he needs to control. And that's going to be tough. I see Edgar being the much more dangerous fighter and just as dangerous on the ground as Tyra is. The only reason I'm not full-blown confidently picking him is because Edgar Chara is a pretty tall, 
like I know it says five seven and Tatsuro's five seven. They have very different bodies. Like Ed Edgar is long, lean. He looks like he cuts a lot of weight. He doesn't look like he's got a lot of weight to cut, if that makes any sense. So I am worried about the short notice for him. But for a little perspective here, this is also short notice for Tatsuro Tyra, right? He was supposed to fight in Jacksonville. Then they moved. So he's getting his body ready. He's he's bringing his weight down or he's water loading. I don't remember where in that cycle he was. Uh, his fight was canceled. But his body's working through evolutions. And then, up oh, fight canceled. Oh, let me get back to normal. I don't know. Am I, do I have a fight? Do I not have a fight? Oh, I do have a fight. Let me get my body back. Through. So he is also dealing with some of the inconveniences that come with the short notice fight here. The, the slightest lean of all time is going to be for Tatsuro Taira. So if I was picking this in percentages, I would say Tatsuro Taira 50.1%. But I'm going to bet on Edgar. I already have a quarter of a unit bet on him, $25 for me at plus 600. I encourage you, don't just take my word for it. Go watch some tape on Edgar Chares. Look at the odds and then tell me that Tatsuro Taira is a 900 favorite, a nine to one favorite absolutely not. Let me know in the comments if this is the worst read of all time, but I don't know what is happening with that line. I imagine people see short notice. They see he's undefeated. They see he's a grappler. Uh, and then they just do the shortcut route. They see Edgar Charles has been submitted and they go, ah, done. That's not how I see this fight at all. Let me know what your thoughts in the comment. I'm, I'm always curious when I'm that far on the other side. Hey, and maybe this is the spot. We'll see what the AI does. If the AI also picks Charez, maybe that thing really is the underdog picker of all time. But we'll see what happens. Next up, we have Cameron Saman taking on Terrence Mitchell. Cameron Saman, Saman, Simon. He's a fun technical striker. He can grapple if he needs to. He does a great job stepping into combinations and then just finishing them with blast leg kicks. Just when you think you have figured out his striking cadence and you're starting to fall into a rhythm, he's going to work in a spinning attack. He might even drop down and shoot a takedown. He doesn't really have incredible power, but he is fast. He's accurate. He's relentless enough to get it done. He's coming off that win over Mana Martinez where despite two hard nut shots and an eye poke that resulted in a point deduction, he did win a decision. Terrence Mitchell, short notice guy. He's long, he's lean, he's a grappler. He doesn't have the best takedowns, but he's very dangerous on the ground. Unfortunately for him, his most popular video on YouTube while you're doing tape study is you know, this title or something to this effect. Cocky fighter gets knocked out in 30 seconds because he was an absolute douche canoe to Kai Kaikara France on the Ultimate Fighter and then was knocked out almost immediately. So not a good look for tough guy Terrence over here, but he doesn't suck on his feet. That's not really, like he got knocked out by Kai Kaikara France, but that is not what his career is, right? It's not just getting knocked out on his feet in 30 seconds there. He's actually pretty fast. He's going to throw up kicks way faster than most people do. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a kick to your head. And you had no idea that that was coming. He can knock people out. He can submit people. He can also be taken down and held down. But Terrence Mitchell is actually a pretty solid fighter here. Cameron Simmons is going to be smaller. He is like, if we take Drikas Duplessis, He's a, a little baby version of him, but better. I think Drikas is sloppy as shit, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Cameron Simon's got similar style, and I say that because he's actually technical, but he's got that same forward pressure, that same pace, that same willingness. Like, he's not a quitter. He's just going to keep coming, and he has the cardio to do this. This is a tough fight. This is another one. The odds are a little wild to me. It should not be minus 400 for Saman. I don't think he's a 4-1 to favorite. He's 8-0. Taking on a guy with 17 fights that can grapple and strike. We have seen 
a lot, a lot of these 8-0, 10-0 fighters in the last two weeks get absolutely smoked. A ton of them. Two on last night's card alone at UFC Vegas. Bruno Fajeda, smoked. Ivana Petrovic, smoked. Not smoked, that was close, but... You get my point. 8-0, and 15-2. I'm still going to go Cameron here. I think he's the better overall fighter. But some of these young guys that haven't had adversity yet, don't really have the deep water type experience, haven't been knocked out on TV and dragged through the depths of YouTube, that could catch up to him in this fight with somebody like Terrence Mitchell who's going to keep coming, keep working. Cameron is the pick. Feels like a parlay buster. I would not put him in my parlays if I were you. Then we have a rematch. It's not necessarily a rematch that people were asking for, but the first fight was pretty fun. This is a rematch from UFC 284. Jimmy Crute won the wrestling exchanges in that fight, but Menafield dominated the striking. A point deduction is what made this a draw. Without the point deduction, Alonzo Menafield wins their first fight. So there's your background. There's your context. We now have the rematch because it was a draw. We got Jimmy Crute. He's a solid wrestler. He's averaging more than five takedowns per fight, but... What I always like to point out with guys that have stats like that is five takedowns per fight means that your opponent got up four times. Maybe the round ended, but there's only three rounds. So only two of those get-ups are because the round ended. The other three are Jimmy Crute might struggle with a little bit of control at times. But anyway, he's not really just a pure grappler. He's not just a wrestling nerd or a BJJ nerd. He also has some one-punch knockout power. He's got decent striking overall. So... Jimmy Crute, pretty well-rounded fighter that maybe wasn't ready for the power of Alonzo Menafield in their last fight because Alonzo Menafield does have great power. Traditionally, he's got really good takedown defense as well, and he's always just looking to take your head off with every single punch he throws. His striking can be wild, it can be sloppy, but the power is absolutely undeniable. He has confidence in his 75% takedown defense, and that just makes him even more dangerous because he's like, yeah, you're not going to take me down. And if you do, I'm going to stand back up, which allows him to just swing wild and commit to these punches. If Alonzo keeps his power and his aggression, but he makes the right decisions, sometimes he can make off decisions. He's a very, very dangerous guy. And this is an easy fight to break down, but this is a really hard fight to pick because in the first fight, Jimmy had six takedowns, but he was knocked down twice. Alonzo almost had him out of there more than one time. If he was able to avoid that power, even one of those times, Jimmy would have won that fight, right? Two of the three judges gave the fight to Alonzo, but that late fence grab, the point was deducted, and then it was a draw. If you think Jimmy can get those same takedowns that he got in the last fight, but avoid all of the power, then he's your pick, and you're basically going to get him at even money. This fight's basically a pick him right now. If you think Alonzo's going to land again like he did last time, then very simply, he's your pick. Personally, I'm avoiding this fight with money. I'm not going to spend money on this fight. There are much better spots on this card than this fight. But I am going to pick Alonzo to win. And that goes, traditionally, I would say, well, Jimmy was the overall better fighter. He got caught twice. So, you know, he could just avoid being caught, right? But the reason I'm liking Jimmy in this fight is because, or Alonzo in this fight is because all of the post-fight interviews and all the circuit interviews and everything that he did after that, he just could not stop talking about Alonzo's power. He's like, I, I was just surprised. I didn't think he would hit that hard. I was, I was shocked how hard he hit. And this is in his head. This is something he's worried about. I am, I am, he's the one. He knows he was dropped twice. At no point was Alonzo almost finished, but Jimmy was. So I imagine Jimmy's going to be a little nervous. His shots are probably going to be from a little farther away, a little, you know. I think he'll be not as clean, 
because he's worried about getting his head knocked off. So I think Alonzo Menafield's going to win this rematch, but this is a 50-50 fight. Do not spend your money on this. Like I said, there are much better spots to do so. Then we have a Vitor Petrino taking on Marcin Prochnow, another young 8-0 prospect taking on sort of a grizzled vet. These have not been going the way that people think they should these last couple of weeks, so be careful with this one. But we got Vitor Petrino. He's an absolute killer. He's a striker whose left hook sort of feels very much like Alex Pajeda's left hook. He's absolutely a striker. Every single one of his opponent's game plans are, let's get this guy to the ground. His takedown defense is just okay, but he does do a nice job of working his way up and avoiding danger. He was in a full triangle choke on the Contender Series. He did his best Rampage Jackson to slam his way out of that. He's going to be a problem for a lot of people, but he does need to button some things up. He is coming off that win over Anton Turkalsh. Where, yes, he did have seven takedowns, which is insane. But he was also taken down five times himself. So Vitor Petrino has great offensive wrestling and then not so great defensive wrestling. So he can be taken down. He's taken on Marcin Prochnow. This guy's been around for a while. He has over 400 combat karate wins. Not fights, wins. And he's an insanely like active guy. He has a very long list of accomplishments throughout his career. His MMA style is more of a technical brawler, but he has no problem getting into a firefight. I like to say technical brawler because he knows what he's doing. He does have clean, crisp technique, but he will come in and he will swing hard and he'll loosen up to try to chase that knockout. He does have incredible power, but he can sort of be knockout or bust. He's coming off that bizarre win over William Knight where he landed 79 strikes while William just stood there doing literally nothing. I think Vitor wins this fight, right? He's got the power. He has the wrestling. We know he has the cardio. Marcin is much better than his three and four UFC record. And he's going to have all the veteran savvy, but Vitor is dangerous. He has multiple ways to win. Prochnow's chin can be questionable at times. And with all that being said, I, I hate to always say this, but I would leave Vitor out of your parlays for now. I find it hard to put confidence in these young undefeated guys for now, especially th this breakdown is basically exactly what I said for Ishmael Bonfim in my last video. I'm like, he probably wins. He should win. But I don't have the confidence in this guy that a lot of people do leave him out of your parlays. And then he lost. And this is a very similar situation. Marcin Prochnow is not bad. And Vipur Petrino, this is set up for him to win. He's a good fighter, has all the tools, but 8-0 or 16-6. Experience does matter. Vitor Petrino is the pick. No bets yet, but we'll see when these props drop and, and go from there. Then we have Kumwela Kirk taking on Esteban Rebovics. I am confident in this fight, and I do have a bet. But first, let's talk about it. We got Kumwela Kirk. Kumwela Kirk. Listen, guys. It's 4th of July weekend. I spent 11 hours yesterday drinking and pissing in a pool. I didn't get out of that pool one time for 11 hours. I pissed all over that pool. But that's not the point. I drank a lot. A little fuzzy. I'm going to fumble some of these names. That's what's going to happen, okay? It's Sunday on a holiday weekend. Bear with me while we get through this. We have Kamuela Kirk taking on Esteban Rebovics. Kamuela's a grappler. He's got decent takedowns, but he does tend to fade later in the fight. You see how I, boom, I hit my rhythm. Let's read the script. He is going to get sucked into a kickboxing matches where his offense is actually pretty technical, but he's very hittable. He keeps his hands like dumb low when he's striking and he does a decent job of managing range and throwing out clean one twos. But again, his lack of volume, his willingness to just back up, gets him in trouble. That combined with the fact that he is hittable. He is coming off that submission loss to Damon Jackson, where 
He almost just played it too cool. At no point did he have any sense of urgency in that fight. He's taking on Esteban Rebovix, who's an impressive striker with sneaky power. His strikes are tight, they're short, they're accurate. He's got sort of that high, tight guard, the opposite stance of Kamuela Kirk here. And he just works forward, picking his shots. And despite his impressive knockout highlights, he isn't just a striker. He has nice takedowns and solid BJJ as well. He's going to shoot clean doubles. He's going to have upper body trips and takedowns to get you to the ground. And then he's immediately going to look to snatch something up. He is coming off that decision loss to Loik Radzhabov. These names are ridiculous. Loik Radzhabov, who we just watched lose at UFC Jacksonville. But anyway, Esteban lost to him where he actually was technical. He almost got the stoppage late, but he needed some takedown defense in that. This is a great bounce back spot for Esteban, right? He's coming off that loss. This is a great spot to get a win back. He's going to be the much better striker. Even if he is taken down, we all know he's got an incredible get-up game. He keeps his power late. Kirk is coming back after more than a year away, and I think his patience is going to work against him here. He's already gun-shy, and I can't imagine a year away from fighting is going to pick up the pace for him, and he's all of a sudden going to be a come-forward active kind of guy. So Rebovix is the pick, and I threw a full unit on him at minus 200. That is one of the lines that has moved. It, they, I think it was, I think Rebovix opened at minus 119, and he's ballooned all the way up to minus 200. I think he is a very good spot here, and even at minus 200, that's what I got it at. I, I think there's still some value there. So keep an eye on that. See if that line continues to move. If it tightens a bit, I may double down on that bet. Then we have another fight with some bizarre odds. We have Yasmin Yaryui taking on Denise Gomes. Yasmin Yaryui is a powerful striker with a very promising career. She's got fantastic pressure, very impressive combination. She's going to enter the pocket with a high kick and then finish with overhands and uppercuts. If she smells blood, she's going to fire everything at you and chase that finish. As impressive as her striking is, her grappling is solid as well. She's got fantastic body lock takedowns and takedown defense that she uses to sort of end up on top. You shoot a takedown, she'll defend it, and she'll end up on top. She's coming off that wild win over Estela Nunes where she had two knockdowns and a finish, but she was also knocked down herself in the first round. She's taking on Denise Gomes. Denise Gomes is a striker who can grapple as well. She can be hittable, but she's incredibly tough and she's never out of a fight. She's gonna continue to come forward, bite down, and bomb away. It takes her a few minutes to get going, but once she's dialed in, she picks up the pace and has no problem sort of taking one to give one. She works in kicks really well and she can be dangerous on the ground. She's coming off that stoppage win over Brenna Brasil where she showed her grit and just her constant pressure along with three takedowns. Yasmin Garjui is definitely special. Her striking is incredible. She could definitely be the future of this division, but minus 420 odds seems a little crazy to me. We just watched her get dropped in her last fight. She also went 0 for 3 in takedowns in that fight. So we don't know how she's going to deal with the pressure of someone like Denise. If this stays striking, then Yasmin wins, potentially by stoppage, especially because Denise takes almost a whole round just to like get going and hit a rhythm. But I'm avoiding this fight like the plague and I recommend you do as well. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really good betting spots on this card. There's also a bunch of traps. I could be way off here, but this feels like a trap. Remember last week with Melissa Gatto? Everybody's, oh, Melissa Gatto was going to, I was like, Ariana Lipsky's probably going to win this fight. I picked her to win. I said, avoid Melissa Gatto. I get it. You're going to look at their records and you're going to see Ariana Lipsky has been taken down. She gets submitted, but Got to look at that last fight. This is somewhat similar. Denise showed us how tough she is in her last fight. 
Yasmin showed us how phenomenal of a striker she is, but that she can get hit. And she was rocked. She was wobbled. She was almost out of that. So Yasmin should win this fight. As I mentioned, insanely talented. But, you know, how about we fade the female fighter who was just rocked in her last fight? How about we do that? Okay. Then we have Shannon Ross taking on Jesus Aguilar. Shannon Ross, 13-7 and seven overall. This guy has a ton of of experience. He's a pretty well-rounded guy. And while his primary discipline is wrestling, he does get sucked into sort of back and forth firefights. He has two losses under the UFC umbrella and they were both showcases to how tough this guy actually is, but also how hittable he can be, right? He comes forward, he puts on volume, he throws an intent, but he gets hit a lot. So he is a busy guy who fights hard. He's got solid takedowns. He's willing to trade, but again, he's hittable. He's explosive, he's dangerous, he's never been in a boring fight, but did I mention that he's hittable? Shannon Ross gets hit. Look at the striking stats. This dude is hit nine times a minute with significant strikes. That is an astronomical number, especially for a flyweight. These guys are supposed to be little, buzzing around like bees. This guy's getting hit nine times a minute at flyweight. That is not good. He's taking on Jesus Aguilar. This guy's a solid grappler. He has a knack for finding guillotines, right? He's got eight wins with six stoppages, and four of those are guillotines. His guillotines are interesting because they're not like people shooting, and then he's, oh, oh, let me do this. It's not that bullshit that Cody Brundage was doing. Not those guillotines. He's actually setting these things up. It's like a submission he actually looks for. Maybe when he doesn't need to, but it is something he's working on and looking to find. He's very active. He's a fun guy to watch. He's got some decent power, solid combinations in his striking, but he can be a bit wild. He's coming to that loss to Tatsura Tyra where he doubled Tyra's strikes. And that was with all the sarcasm in the world because he landed two punches. Tyra landed one, and then he was taken down and submitted. So neither one of these guys off to a great start in the UFC. There is a clear Mexico push from the UFC because it's a really untapped market with just generations of fighting and fighters. And I mean, Mexico is the next massive market for the UFC for sure. And this matchup is meant to be another showcase for a young up and coming Mexican fighter. I don't have the same confidence in Jesus that the UFC odds makers do, but he can grapple. He's got high pressure. He's also a little wild, leaves himself open for takedowns. If Shannon comes in composed and he waits, he could shoot a clean double off of Jesus' just forward pressure. I do think Jesus is going to win this fight. If history tells us anything, it's probably going to be by finish. So Jesus is going to be the pick here. We'll wait for those props. I, I'm, let's get a two and a half line and uh, we'll hit the under on that. Then we have Robbie Lawler taking on Nico Price. Robbie Lawler former UFC welterweight champion of the world. It's been a little while since he was the champ, but he's the former UFC welterweight champion. He started his career in the UFC more than 20 years ago. This guy's an absolute legend. He's part of a dying breed of fighters who were able to accomplish great things, basically with toughness. He's a technical brawler. He can wrestle as wrestle. I'm like that guy from Big Bang Theory. What, 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 what? He can wrestle as well. He's a ton of fun to watch because he's got clean technique. He's going to do all the right things. And then he's going to say, F it, bite down on his mouthpiece. Peeth, oh my God, I did develop. This is not, is my tongue swollen? He's going to bite down on his mouthpiece and start brawling. And that's why we love Robbie Lawler. Even at 41 years old, he's a dangerous striker with enough experience and power 
to give people some trouble. The problem is he definitely takes a lot of damage and he's definitely declining and he is coming off that TKO loss to Brian Barbarena, which was his first since losing his title in 2016. He's taking on Nico Price. Nico Price is basically young Robbie Lawler, right? He's an incredibly fun fighter. He has a willingness to put himself in harm's way for the fans. He's just not as accomplished as Robbie Lawler, right? Similar type styles. He just hasn't done the amazing things that Robbie has. He also has a knockout off of his back. Go watch highlight tapes on Nico Price. If you didn't watch his first few fights in the UFC before injuries sort of got in the way, right? You're going to see he has solid striking. You're going to see he has good submissions. But he was on his back. Boom. Got a knockout from there. And that's forever going to be a highlight reel. He's a blast to watch. He can beat anyone on any day with his sheer determination, his will, his wildness. But he can also lose to anyone on any day because of his willingness to get into a slugfight. He's coming off that late finish loss to Philip Rowe. He was having some fun in there and it caught up to him. But anyway, I do think Nico probably wins this fight. He's younger. He's sort of less beat up. He hasn't been through the meat grinder as Robbie Lawler has, but he's not exactly the face of durability, right? This should be a really fun slugfest until one of them gets put out. And listen, just this is a just watch the fight. Appreciate Robbie Lawler. I'm almost positive he's going to retire after this. I can't imagine at 41, he wants to keep going out there, keep doing this. Not after everything that he's accomplished. Not after his last loss, if this one ends similarly. So, Robbie Lawler, I'm going to be rooting for him. My heart's with him. Nico Price is going to be the pick here. He has had some of the biggest line movement on this card. Nico Price is ballooned up to a pretty good-sized favorite here. And I think as people are like, well, no, they're the same fighter, but one of them's in their 30s and one of them's in their 40s, and people went that direction. It's a tricky betting spot, too, because... I don't even know if there's going to be a finish, right? This is one of those weird fights where people are going to hammer the under, people are going to hammer the does not go the distance, and then they're just going to be smiling at each other, swinging hard, and they're both going to survive and be bloody, and that's it. So I don't know if I'm going to do anything here, um, and I am probably afraid of the, the round line. I feel like that might be a trap on this fight. Then we have another fight that I'm very confident in. We have Dan Hooker taking on Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner is a really good boxer. He somehow manages to come forward and keep the fight at range at the exact same time. He's a ridiculous six foot three, and for this weight class, that's tremendous. And he's one of the very few people that uses his range well. Even though he is known as a striker, three of his last four wins are by submission, which just shows how well-rounded he is. He's coming off the very close loss to Gamrot, where despite giving up four takedowns, he outlanded him. And he got a knockdown. I mean, that was a split decision. That was a very close loss. He's taking on Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker has been around for 185 years. He's a very good striker. He has enormous amount of heart. He's, I want to say durability, and he is durable. But we have seen flashes of not. But for the most part, he is a pretty durable guy. He's a long, rangy kickboxer. He uses kicks well to manage that distance. He's sharp. He's technical. But he can get sucked in the firefights himself. He's only two and three in his last five, but his losses are quality. It was Michael Chandler in his debut, Islam on short notice, and then Arnold Allen, but at 145 pounds. He is coming off that dominant win over Claudio Puelas, who seemed more interested in uh, laying on his back than he did on fighting. And yes, Dan Hooker looked very sharp in that Claudio Puelas win. He even defended some pretty deep submission attempts, but that was against a butt-scooting jujitsu nerd. Jalen is not that. Jalen is a killer on his feet and should be able to touch up Hooker. Yes, Hooker's tough. If you go to that Dustin Poirier fight, I mean, that was a straight-up war. 
But I think Hooker's going to be a step behind this entire fight. My only concern here is that Dan turns this into a wrestling match like he did when he fought Nazrat. But even then, Jalen's a pretty easy pick for me, and he could be parlayed. I, I like Jalen Turner. I'm uh, pretty confident in him in this fight for sure. Then we have Bo Nickel in another UFC main card spot. This dude is only four fights into his career, and he is getting fast-tracked to UFC stardom. I don't need to spend a ton of time here. Bo Nickel is going to win this fight. He dominates. It's going to be a finish. I imagine getting reasonable odds on this fight in any capacity is going to be very hard to do. Bo Nickel wins this fight. I mean, what am I going to do? Spend 11 minutes pretending that's not the case, and then, oh, big twist, I'm picking Bo. He's going to get the takedown. He's probably going to get the submission. It's just literally that simple. People are going to say, you're going to hear people saying, oh, the only reason Bo Nickel was able to take down Jamie Pick in the last fight is because he need him in the balls first. That is nonsense. And if you think that's the absolute truth, and you truly think that Bo Nickel was not going to get that takedown over Jamie Pickett unless there was that nut shot, then I recommend you take your life savings, you put it on Trayson, and then you go live with Jacob in his car after you lose that bet. Bo Nickel's going to win this fight. He was going to win that last fight regardless of uh, what may or may not happen in the uh, testicular area. The UFC knows what they're doing here. Uh, hey, let's take a multiple-time national wrestling champion against a regional wrestler who didn't use his wrestling until his last fight. So let's see what happens. Bo Nickel's the pick. Don't parlay him. He's minus 1,400. What the hell are you going to do with that? That's not worth anything. Maybe we get lucky with some props. Right? Jacob got Joanderson Brito first round knockout for plus 200, and he was a minus 1100 favorite. So we might get Bo Nickel first round sub at plus money or close to it, and that's probably the most likely outcome in this fight. Then we have Robert Whitaker taking on Drikus Duplessisis. I know that's not his name before you little comments. Oh, I'm a loser. Anyway, Robert Whitaker, former middleweight champion of the world. He's a very diverse striker. He's got solid volume, very good takedowns. He's constantly mixing up his striking, his movement patterns. He's going to lay out really heavy leg kicks and then immediately charge forward and chase that head. He does a really good job hitting different striking rhythms, different striking cadences, constantly mixing things up. His only losses since 2014 are to Izzy. Those, that's the only person that's beat him since 2014. The rematch was insanely close. Robert Whitaker has had 11 takedowns in his last five fights, and that really just cements him as one of the most well-rounded guys in the UFC. He's taking on Drikus Duplessis. People are loving this guy now. Loving this guy. And he's a very good striker. He can work in some takedowns as well. He's exciting to watch because of his explosiveness, his incredible leg kicks. He's also a decent grappler. He hunts for submissions. He's constantly looking for stoppages on the ground. But his takedown defense has a lot to be desired. While he does continue to get quality wins, right? The resume is actually getting... the like Darren Till at one point was solid. Derek Brunson, that's a good win, right? He's getting these quality wins. The reality is he's a little bit sloppy, and he does lack certain techniques, but he's got cardio to sort of push him through that, that gap in skill. But there are levels to this sport. Robert Whitaker is one of the best fighters in the UFC. He's probably a top five middleweight of all time. We got Anderson Silva, Izzy, Whitaker. Like what other, what, Rich Franklin? No way. Robert Whitaker would have smoked Rich Franklin back in the day. So, I mean, Robert Whitaker is one of the best middleweights to ever do it, and he's only 32 years old. Is he the best on the planet right now? Probably not, but he might be. His last fight with Izzy were super close. And we have him matched up against, yes, 19-2, Drikus Duplessis. Yeah, that's impressive. 
But the reality is there are levels to this where Drinkus is relying on just energy and, and coming in hot and being busy. Robert Whitaker is like clean, crisp technique. He'll outstrike you technique-wise. He'll outwork you. He'll take you down. Like he'll do whatever he wants to do. I think this is a mauling. I think Drinkus Duplessis is tough. I think he might be a big deal soon in the division. But I just think Robert Whitaker is going to get this done. This is not being disrespectful to Drikas. This is praise for how ridiculously good Robert Whitaker is. So I think Robert gets this done. I, maybe there's a stoppage here. You know, Robert's not like this profound finisher, but I think he's just better than Drikas literally everywhere in this fight. Let me know in the comments if you disagree with that statement. I know there's a lot of people that love Drikas. I, I get it. I have seen it. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it everywhere. And frankly, it is better for the division the Drake is to win. What are we going to watch? Robert Whitaker versus Izzy 900? We can't keep watching that fight. So it is better if Drake wins this fight. I just do not see that happening. It's just, it's just not going to happen. I think you can parlay Robert Whitaker. I'm very confident in this man, his abilities, and everything he's done, and everything he will do. We have the co-main event of the evening. We've got a title fight, a flyweight title fight. Brandon Moreno taking on Alexandre Pantoja. Brandon Moreno is defending his UFC championship officially for the very first time. He's an absolute dog. He's a ton of fun to watch. He's very tough. He's got a great chin. He puts on a nonstop pace. He's averaging almost two takedowns per fight, and he mixes things up really well. His biggest asset is definitely his pace and his will to win. He's going to continue to come forward, stay busy regardless of what's happening in the fight. He's coming off that TKO win over Divas and Figueredo, which just closed out their quadrilogy. He's taking on Alexandre Pantoja. This guy's a fun fighter as well, and he just loves walking forward and going to work. He has good power. He does give damage, but he's also a fantastic grappler with good control and ground and pound. His striking is very formulaic, and that's not an insult. He's got really nice, clean one-twos. He doesn't take too many risks. He's very effective, and you combine that with his power and his pressure, and he's doing really big things. He's incredibly durable, and the only people who have really been able to beat him did it with wrestling and control. He's coming back after a full year away, which was after a submission win over Alex Perez. This is a great fight. I mean, this is a well-earned title shot for Pantoja. This is a great fight. And while I do think Brandon Moreno is going to win, I do not agree with these two-to-one odds. I think Pantoja is a great striker who I think is going to have the clear advantage on the feet. I think it's going to be obvious that Pantoja is the better striker on the feet. The issue for him, however, will be the wrestling. Brandon Moreno has done a great job working in takedowns these last few years, these last few camps. And if he can get that pace going, he should win this fight. Moreno's going to be the pick. I think this is going to be a dog fight. I think this is going to be a phenomenal, fun fight to watch. Um, I, I wouldn't parlay Brandon Moreno, but I do think he absolutely is going to get it done. Then we have the main event. We have Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Yair Rodriguez. Alexander Volkanovsky has been the champion of this weight class for a little more than three years. And even though he has only fought three different people in that time span, he is putting together quite the legacy for himself. Alexander is a very good striker who has legit speed in his hands and his feet. He uses kicks really well and uses combinations to set up super clean takedowns. He's a short guy, but it doesn't give him a hard time finding... The head or like range isn't an issue for him, even though he has some T-Rex arms. 
The reality is he's very, very strong, but he doesn't really have that one-punch knockout power. He's got a 69% takedown defense and an incredible almost seven significant strikes per minute offense. He averages almost two of his own takedowns per 15 minutes. He is coming off that loss to Islam at 155, which most people, not most, some people think he won that fight. But regardless of the outcome or what you think happened, I think that solidified how great Alexander Volkanovsky is. Almost everybody thought, including me, Islam was just going to come in there, bully the hell out of him, do whatever he wanted to do. And that's not how that fight went down. Alexander Volkanovsky, in a loss, that loss did more for him and his legacy than some of the wins that he has. He's taking on Yair Rodriguez. This is a fun, athletic guy. He's going to spin kick his way to entertain the hell out of you the entire time he's in the cage. He's tough to deal with because his striking is so unpredictable. And even if it does open him up for takedowns, He's capable of standing right back up. He's been taken down in nine of his 12 UFC fights, but he does have a 63% takedown defense. He is the current interim featherweight champion. He earned that with a second round submission win over Josh Emmett. I love watching Alexander Volkanovsky fight and it's nice that he's getting some new blood, right? I got sick of watching the Max Holloway rematch. This fight's gonna come down to control. If Alex can control the pace and keep Yair measured, then he easily wins this fight. Yair's good everywhere. He's very dangerous. But Alex is just on another level. I see Alex coming forward, mixing in takedowns, and keeping Yair on his back foot. And that's going to prevent him from going off with the wild striking. Alex is the pick. He's sitting at like minus 400. And that feels very appropriate to me. I mean, we just, we just watched this guy fight one of the best lightweights on the planet. He went toe-to-toe with him. A lot of people think he won that fight. Alexander Volkanovsky has to be the pick. But I do recognize how dangerous... Yair Rodriguez is Rodriguez. Jesus. Thank God, man. Thank God I went through this. That barbecue really put me, the amount of piss I put in that pool. Anyway, Volk's the pick here. Guys, that's the breakdown. I will send you 50 bucks. We pay out a couple thousand dollars a week. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Use our link. That's the key to all of this. Use the link. Sign up, make a deposit. We will send you $50 as a thank you. It's affiliate marketing. They're going to pay me and I'm going to give some of that money right back to you because, hey, I made some money based off of what you did. So why not share some of that money with you as a thank you? We want picks.com slash bets. You can then take that money and become a premium member. It's only $10 a month, even just to support the channel. We have well over 2,000 premium members and I have never been more proud of something in my, well, I got the kids, so I guess I'm proud of them. Outside of the kids, I've never been more proud of something in my entire life. We're, we're doing great things. It's all because of you. If you want to join that community of well over 2,000 people, just go to wewantpicks.com. Click become a member. It's just $10 a month. It's not just the picks and the bets. You're also going to get tools like the line movement tracker. This is going to give you the opening odds, the current odds, the win probability, the line movement for every single fight on this card. You're also going to get detailed data, metrics, analytics, 38 columns. This is up right now for UFC 290. People sell this spreadsheet or something like it for $10 just for that. We're including it with everything else that we do. You're also going to get courses. We're adding courses. We're rolling them out. The very first one is a beginner's guide to DraftKings. A lot of people don't know what DraftKings fantasy is or how you use it. So we have a beginner's guide that's going to give you all the terminology, walk you through what it is, how to build a lineup, how to enter contests, what all that means, how much you should spend, all that stuff included in your premium membership. We own picks.com, click become a member. And it's also more than just me. We got Jakey Boy. We have Artem breaking down LFA, PFL, everything other than 
everything with. He does UFC and everything else is what I'm trying to say. And then we have the AI. Follow the AI's journey. Do not sign up thinking a robot is going to make you rich. It will eventually, just not today. It is in beta. We're still building it. We're still developing it. We're still adding things. It doesn't even know that grappling exists. But follow the journey. Read the article. Stay in touch with the pick doctor. I'm, that is going to be the future of all of this. We want picks.com. Click become a member. It's only $10 a month. And I, me, will be at UFC 290. So see a big guy with a hot wife that just looks kind of angry all the time. That's me. Come say hi.